Scripture reading, Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Have a seat. Well, man, what a problem to have, right? Like, we just talk too much. We just like to encourage each other too much. I love it so much. Um, Well, hey, my name's Cam. Uh, If I haven't met you, I would love to. My wife and I have been uh, just serving here at Trinity for uh, a little while now, um, and we serve on campus with an organization called Athletes in Action, and we love it so much, and we love this church. Um, I haven't preached in a little minute. It's been like three months, so I am so, I'm like chomping at the bit, so I'm really excited, and I, uh, well, I, I, I said this before, but I listen to podcasts sometimes on 1.5 times speed. Does anybody else do that? So sometimes when I get a little excited, I kind of mirror that of the podcast that I listen to, so I'm just giving everybody permission today. If I get a little too excited, because I'm excited about what I'm about to talk about too, just go ahead, just in the back, be gentle about it. But you guys can just say, hey, just calm down, slow down, pump the brakes a little bit, buddy. We're going to be okay. But I am really, really excited for this morning. Um, a couple months ago, my wife and my, my little baby girl, they, they, they went and saw the grandparents for a couple days. And uh, man, I was, I was like, man, I, I'm going to have so much time. I'm about to just pray and read my Bible and connect with people. But I accidentally watched uh, like all the Avengers movies, um, just like a slight, slight hiccup on my plans. But um, see, because I had seen all of the like kind of big ones, like Age of Ultron. I don't know what they're all called, but like the, where all the superheroes are in it, you know. And then I, I realized that they have all these origin stories, and I was like, "Yo, this is actually awesome!" Like getting to see Captain America, not as like big Captain America, but like little five foot two dainty guy. Awesome, right? And, and, and Marvel, they're just like whipping them out all the time now. Like it's just like origin story after origin story after origin story because we love origin stories. We're like so drawn to them. And they're just going to keep pumping them out until we stop paying them millions of dollars to make these movies, right? They're going to create new characters, new origin stories, and they're going to keep it rolling. But we love origin stories. And one of my favorite things uh, at Trinity is getting to hear some of the origin stories of Trinity. Like uh, I wasn't here when we were in the living room. I'm more of like a hit me up when you got a building kind of guy, you know, but, but, but they used to meet in a living room and it's really cool to, to, to hear the stories from some of the people who were here from the origins, right? Like from the, from the get go and they tell stories and like, man, remember when that crazy crew came in and they almost stuck and now they're gone and they, they tell all these funny, amazing stories and they tell the story of the origin of Trinity. It's awesome. And, and we've been working through the book of Ephesians and, 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 I, and I tend to put myself in their shoes and as, they, and as they hear their own origin stories, like how did the church of Ephesus, where did it come from? Well, they can't tell their origin story without the power of the Holy Spirit. See, what happened was, and you can read about it, it's in Acts chapter 19, we see the birth of the churches in Ephesus. And what was happening was there was this guy named Apollos, who was basically like everybody's kind of hot TED Talk guy like great speaker, great communicator, kind of started to get a following. And he was kind of teaching some stuff about Jesus, maybe his teachings, but didn't have this full grasp with this full understanding. And Paul approached him. Paul meets this guy, Apollos, and he says, hey, uh, when, when you believed in Jesus, and he asked him this question, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit 
And Apollos is like, the, like the what? The, the who? Like, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What is that? And Paul goes on to explain Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and he prays that he might receive power from the Holy Spirit. And that's the launching pad into the church of Ephesus. What happens, literally, you turn the page, and there's this revival that breaks out in the city. It's crazy. People are literally taking their idols, they're burning them on the altars, and they're saying, we're going to worship the Lord Jesus. But it started with the Holy Spirit. And for a lot of us, we're aware of the Holy Spirit. We definitely know, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like, it's in the big three, for sure. Like, we got that. But we're really familiar with the Father, like our Father who are in heaven. Got that one. Really familiar with the Son, Jesus. He died on the cross for my sins. But there's this forgotten God, the Holy Spirit spirit and in a lot of ways he's kind of like this familiar stranger like you ever been in like a big public gathering and you see somebody and you think you know him but you don't know him well enough to go say hi to him and because you don't know them well enough to go say hi to him you do the the entire night the entire social gathering you're actually trying to avoid that person because you might have to say their name you know what i'm saying you're dodging eye contact you're kind of like maybe you make eye contact like hey what's up man like you say bro you say ma'am you say missus like you don't know their name it's this familiar stranger. We know who they are, kind of, but not really. Uh, I have to experience this a lot. I actually didn't ask my wife for this illustration, so uh, we'll see. But my wife has this uh, problem. That's like a great way to start every illustration. Um, she, she thinks she knows everybody. Like, she'll, she'll look across and she'll say, hey, like, isn't that Dan? And I'm like, babe, that is not Dan. Like, that looks nothing like Dan. She's like, I swear that's Dan. So, so I've had to actually master this familiar stranger bit because all the time I'm having to go, sorry, yeah, like, nah, she thought you were somebody else. It's okay. Like, come on, babe. So, so this happens all the time in our life, right? In my life, at least. So the familiar stranger. But I can't help but think as there's this growing gap between our belief and our practices, between what's in our heads about God and what's in our hearts and ultimately our hands about God, as we see this, this, this big gap between who, who I am right now and who I want to be, as there's this growing gap of lack of expectation for God to actually show up in the way that the God of the Bible shows up and what he can and can't do. And there's this growing sense of just boredom around faith conversations. I can't help but think what we need desperately more than ever is an understanding and an awareness of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh feeling. We need what Paul says. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? There's something missing there because Jesus on, on, on the way, on his last night here on earth, he got giddy talking about the Holy Spirit. He said some crazy words. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go, then the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he won't come. So what we're going to do this morning is we're actually going to talk about who the Holy Spirit is, and then we're going to, we're going to dive into what does it actually look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, especially because some of us are thinking, don't I already have the Holy Spirit? How can I get more of him? So, so I, want to, I want to step into this space this morning, but first let's actually invite the Holy Spirit to help us understand him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments that we share. We thank you for uh, a community that loves to talk and hang out in fellowship and friendship. We thank you for the celebrations of prayers that we got to lift up to you this morning, the way that you have met us and sustained us and carried us through this season. 
But I acknowledge that there are still people in here who, who, who need a fresh encounter with you. That we don't need more information this morning, but we, we, we really need to encounter you, Holy Spirit. So we invite you to just come. Would you fill this place? Would you, would you fall afresh on us as we just sang? And you, would you reveal Jesus in a way that stirs our love for God and for people? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So who is the Holy Spirit? Notice how I said who, too, not what. But, but my favorite definition for the Holy Spirit, it comes from this theologian named Gordon Fee. And he says that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. And I'm actually going to break it down. Each, each word is part of the definition. So God, God's person, God's power, God's empowering presence, and then God's presence. So first, let's, let, let's look at each one. God's person. So first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is not an it or an abstract thing, but it is a him. Not to say that he's primarily masculine, but, but to say that he is a person. Right? John 16, a little bit more about what Jesus said earlier. He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only on what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive and he will, be make, he will make it known to you. He, it's a person. The Holy Spirit is a third person of the Trinity. Casey preached uh, a couple weeks ago on Ephesians chapter four. And in verse 30, it says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, meaning that you can hurt the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can estrange yourself or break your relationship with the Holy Spirit, just like you can with another person. In another letter to some churches in Galatia, Paul encouraged them to keep in step with the Spirit, right? To walk with the Spirit, meaning that we can walk behind the Spirit, or we can get out in front of the Spirit, or we can get out of step or out of sync with the Holy Spirit. And you don't do that with an abstract thing. You do that with a person. So that's the idea that we would be with the Holy Spirit 24-7, that we would live with the person of the Holy Spirit. But if we're honest, we might understand that in our mind, but most of us don't approach or interact or think about the Holy Spirit that way, right? Literally just two years ago, there was this this article that was written in Christianity Today, and and they, they basically polled a bunch of American evangelical Christians, and they asked this question, true or false? The Holy Spirit is a force or a thing. And 59% said true. Isn't that fascinating? So so, so listen, the majority of American Christians, and I I highlight American Christians, see the Holy Spirit far more as the force from Star Wars than a person to be in relationship with. Now, I don't know a lot about Star Wars, but I know like in a couple days, it's like y'all's day, right? May May 4th, right? Isn't that a thing? May the 4th be with you. That's like a big deal in Star Wars world. And also with you, right? Yeah, that's what you guys say. Young Padawan. I don't know anything about Star Wars. But, but we see the, the Holy Spirit as a force. And what does that do to how we interact with him? Think about what that does. Because if we minimize the Holy Spirit to a force, what we end up doing is we minimize him to, be, to a force or a power to be wielded and not a person to be in relationship with. And that changes everything. And here's, here's why this matters. 
Because as, we be, as, as we're asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not actually asking for just more of this force or more of this power, even though it is, there, there is power, and I'm going to talk about that. It's more than that. We're asking, what we're asking for is more relationship, not just more of the force or whatever. So let's even, even as we ask that question, right, I already have the Holy Spirit. How can I have more of the Holy Spirit? Right, even asking that question is to minimize and marginalize the Holy Spirit down to a doctrine or a thing and not seeing him as a person to be in relationship with, right? And this actually explains, in some ways, why Paul would say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what he's talking about here is influence. So what's interesting, right, alcohol has this ability to influence us, right? Like, you ever... <laughs> Back in the day, you know, like not, not, not when you were like coming to church, but back in the day, you had moments where alcohol would influence who you were. And you would look at yourself and you'd say, that's not who I was, but that influenced me to act in a certain way. That, that, that's actually what he's saying. He's saying, don't be influenced by alcohol, but be influenced by the person of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been influenced by a person? Right? In first grade, my best friend, his name is Mason Flores, best soccer, best soccer player in school, Edmondson Elementary, the best. But, but Mason did this weird thing. He was kind of like really cool. He was actually too cool to pump his arms when he ran. So he would just run like this, right? But I'm like, yo, Mason is cool. So I started running like this. Like I was like, I'm too cool, I guess, too, to pump my arms. It hurt me. It didn't make me any better of an athlete, right? Like every sports person in the world would say pumping your arms is far better for you than running at your side. But running at your side, apparently in first grade, is way cooler. So I, I ran with my hand on my side. In, in the same way, right, like, Jeremy's not here, so I can say this, but uh, I've spent a lot of time with Jeremy in the past year or so, and, and anytime, like, I, I say something to Jeremy, I'll be like, man, did you see that box score the other night? Like, that was crazy, that was so good, and, and he has this kind of response, he'll always say, I don't know if you guys have heard it, he'll go, yeah, for real, like, for real, and I was like, I, so I, I didn't even notice he said that until I started saying it, right, until somebody's like, Cam, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, bro, for real, I'm like, dang, because, because who you surround yourself with, you end up being like, so that's what Paul's encouraging us. He's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with more relationship with the Holy Spirit. Be influenced by the relational being of the Holy Spirit. So as I say these things, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it does bring power, right? God's person and God's power. So in fact, even as you look at the scriptures, the word power and the Holy Spirit, they're almost synonymous Right? One thing that's really interesting about Jesus' earth, earthly life is that there's like some stories about him pre-birth. There's like one one-off story where he kind of runs into the temple, but then everything else comes in this little three-year stint of his life. And even more interesting is basically nothing happens in Jesus' life and ministry aside from the power of the Holy Spirit. So even, even his conception, right? Like, like we would believe doctrinally that Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It says, it says uh, in, in Luke chapter one to Mary, the angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're gonna conceive this baby boy and you're gonna call him Jesus and he will be the son of God, the anointed king whose kingdom will have no end. And in verse 35 in chapter one, it says this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you and therefore a child will be born and called the Son of God. So Jesus is even birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And then we, we know the Christmas story. Jesus is born into this messy barn and goes into hiding for basically 30 years. Then he reappears and gets baptized by his cousin John. This launches him into his ministry, but this is what happens, right? He gets baptized. He gets dunked into the water. He comes out, and what happens? The Father's voice booms over creation and says, This is my Son, my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. And then the Spirit comes on him and descends on him like a dove in bodily form. So from the get-go, Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then if you follow the story, just following through Luke's gospel, you get in chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Literally, you just keep running through the story. Verse 14, if you're following along. And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And then four verses later, he opens up the scroll to teach at the synagogue in verse 18, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we have to understand something about Luke here. The author who's writing this, he's no poet, right? Like, he's not trying to be cute. He's a doctor. So he's literally just trying to lay it out for us. This is how it is. Jesus lived his life completely empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is why this matters for us. Because Jesus, as he, as he, as he, as he lives the life we're supposed to die, dies the death that we're, or lives the life we're supposed to live, dies the death that we're supposed to die, ascends into heaven. But right before he ascends into heaven, he comes to his disciples, and his last words, they really, really matter, right? His last words to his disciples, this is what he says. Wait for the promise of the Father. You heard it from me. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, tracking with this now? First, the Holy Spirit is on Mary. Then the Holy Spirit is on Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit is on us. The same power. It's not a JV Holy Spirit. It's the same spirit that, that was rested on Jesus. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It now lives inside of us. And I can't help but wonder if most of the time we construct our lives in a way that we basically never need the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, even... Uh, just, just yesterday, I was at this kind of conference thing and shared a little bit on, for our Athletes in Action stuff. And um, I basically, like, they give me the notes. They tell me what to say. So I had no, I didn't, I didn't have any part in it. But I had this older gentleman come up to me and say, man, Cam, that was some very good content. Great content, man. How long did it take for you to do that? And I'm like, man, I just threw it together on the plane. Like, no big deal. Imagine what, what I could do if I like, had, a, had a whole week. Um, but this, this guy says that to me. And, and not in a weird way. I think I'd heard somebody else say it before. But but I literally felt the pressing of the Holy Spirit say, Cam, I don't think anybody was impressed by Peter's content at Pentecost. They were, they were too busy being impressed with Jesus. They, were, they weren't impressed by his strengths in that moment. And I think most of us, we, we, we live our lives, all of life is set up around our strengths, what we're really, really good at, where I feel strong and courageous, put together, it's almost what's best for me all the time. But then I, what I end up doing is I take that mindset into my relationship with the Holy Spirit and it ends up not being an asset to me, but it ends up being a hindrance to my experience 
of the Holy Spirit. So I actually want to encourage us this morning, wherever you're feeling stuck right now, wherever you're kind of like looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I really thought I was going to be a little bit further by now, wherever you're feeling really discouraged, you're actually in the perfect place to be ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit because we can never experience or understand the power of the Holy Spirit until we can embrace and grasp our own powerlessness. You can never experience his power until you realize that you don't have any. Because God's power is made perfect in our weakness, right? His spirit meets us in our weakness, and it's all dependent on just how you see your own dependence, right? Here's just a small example. Uh, Everybody here has heard or seen on a coffee cup somewhere, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the spirit, right? We, We read that all the time. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Faithfulness, kindness, goodness, self-control, completely out of order. I don't know. But we see that all, all, all the time, right? Most of my life, I read that as a to-do list. I read that as the Christian to-do list. This is, this is Cam. Oh, I read that book. I need to be loving today. And I try to step out and I try to muscle up and be loving and be kind. And, oh, I need to be more patient. But it's to completely interpret the verse backwards. It says it's the fruit of the Spirit, The only thing that can produce a real love in you is the Spirit of God producing that in you. The only thing that can produce patience in you, the patience that you just wish you had, is the Holy Spirit. And until we can embrace our own powerlessness, that I can't do this by myself, you'll never actually experience the deep fruit that the Spirit is longing to produce in you. We can't embrace the Holy Spirit's power until we embrace our own powerlessness Even Jesus, he said, the flesh, meaning what you do by yourself on your own strength. He says, the flesh is of no help at all. But it's the spirit who gives life. It's the spirit. It's the power of the spirit that gives life to our bodies. And it's the only thing that can. So God's empowering presence, God's uh, person, God's power, and God's presence. So this one can be a little bit confusing, right? Because this is where, like, if you've read a couple theology books, if you know a little bit, you say, well, Cam, isn't God omnipresent? You know, like, drop the big spiritual word. Isn't God omnipresent? Meaning, isn't he present everywhere? Isn't he here all the time? God's present always. Why would I need more of God's presence? But see, there's this theme that kind of runs throughout the scriptures, and it's, and it's of God's manifest presence, okay? Where God's presence is tangibly experienced and felt. It's like in Psalm 16, where David says, Lord, in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Now, that's different than just like God's everywhere all the time, right? Because then we'd just be full of joy all the time. But he's saying, God, in your presence, when I get in your manifest presence, there's nothing but joy there. And the same thing when God encourages Moses as he's about to endure into the promised land, when he's afraid, when he doesn't know what's about to happen next, he says this, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You're not saying, man, I'm everywhere all the time. You'll find rest all the time. He's saying, no, my presence, me, I will go with you. And this is seeped all throughout the scriptures of God's manifest presence. And it's when the people of God get into the presence of God that we experience real joy and real rest. So really quick, I just want to talk about what this looks like throughout the, throughout the thread of Scripture, okay? So, so even in the Old Testament, 
God's presence would dwell in a tabernacle or a temple. And most of the Old Testament, there's so many, there, there, there would be sacrifices and rituals and rules all just so that the priest could enter into the presence of God. They would make sacrifices because a sinful person trying to enter into the presence of God is not a good deal for the person. Because God is so holy and perfect and true that even to step in there would literally just debunk us. Like it would ruin us. It would wreck us. So what we'd have to do is they would have to clean themselves. They would have to purify themselves through sacrifices just to step into the presence of God. And he would dwell in the tabernacle. Okay? And then when Jesus thrust himself into the story, John chapter 1, it says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here's what he's saying. That, that word dwell is literally synonymous with tabernacle. It means that Jesus tabernacled among us. So, so meaning that Jesus was the living tabernacle, that he was the manifest presence of God in the flesh. But, but Jesus and the temple, the tabernacle, they were, they were both limited to one time and space, right? They were just in one space. It's why the crazy, audacious claim of Jesus who said, it's better that I go. Because when Jesus was here in the flesh, where is he? He's, he can only be one place at a time. That's it. But now, the age that we're in, the, 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 after Jesus pays the perfect penalty, as he cleans us and purifies us by his blood, and as we receive the grace of Jesus, we actually become the temple. He is our sacrifice into the presence of God. It's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells within you. So through Jesus, we've been filled with God's presence. We're no longer a people confined to one location or person, but through Jesus, once and for all sacrifice, he has remade us into the living temples. We are the hosts of God's presence. In a lot of ways, we need to wake up to the reality that God dwells in me. That he's not far off or out there, but God's presence is here. Right? It's like in, in Psalm 16, it's, it's not that I need my circumstances to be perfect to find joy. It's I need to enter into and experience the presence of God, and there I will find joy. And the same promise that was true to Moses is true of us. That his presence will go with us, and that's where we find rest, is in the presence of the living God. And he dwells with me. And that's truth. That's promise. That's not achievement or something you have to earn, but it's just true of us. We have the presence of God living inside of us. So God's empowering presence, God's person, God's power, God's presence. This is the Holy Spirit. But how do we go about being filled with more of the Holy Spirit? So we get a little bit confused, right? Well, two primary things, okay? One, and this, this is where it, it, it takes a little bit of a surprising twist, one is worship, the other one is ask. Worship, ask. As we followed along in the passage, to me it takes a, a, a slight turn, but this is what it says. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, let's go. There's the command. And the practicals follow. They say this, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Sam Storms, he, he says it this way, okay? He says, the verb right here to be filled is actually a plural verb. 
It's not just to an individual, but it's actually to a plural. It's to a community. It's to us collectively. And he says this exhortation has primarily to do with community life, the need for God's people to be so collectively full of God's presence that their worship is transformed. Right? Even in Ephesians 2, which we read earlier, it says this, in him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. He's saying together, collectively, we're being built together, that even in this space, time and space, we are being built together to host and manifest God's presence, to invite his person and his power and his presence to come and meet with us. So I don't know how you see church. I don't don't know how you see the words that we say or the songs that we sing. But worship is primary to experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in a lot of ways, worship is the proper response to God, right? Like anytime in the scriptures you see somebody actually see God for who he is, they respond in worship every single time. It's the proper response to when we see who God is. We can't help but worship him. We can't see him for who he is. We, we, we cannot not respond in worship. But the problem is that most of the time we actually don't see God for who he really is. That's what Paul's getting at here, right? He says, he gives us this command to be filled with the Spirit, and then he practicals it with speaking to one another, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So there's many ways to like walk by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit, but right now what Paul's encouraging us with this morning is through music. It's through worship. So even what we're doing in this space on a Sunday morning is we're creating space as we worship and sing to God to invite his presence to be with us, right? And I know you felt that. I've heard story after story of someone not really understanding what's happening in life, but them singing a praise and a song to God, and they're saying, I don't know what's happening in my life, but everything is fine. Everything makes sense now. It's okay, because in worship is where we lose ourselves. The comparison and the envy and the fear and all of it that comes together, we lose sight of all of it, and all we can see is Jesus for who he really is. Ultimately, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. In Jesus' primary teaching on the Holy Spirit, he says this, three words, he will glorify me. That was four words, my bad. He says, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit, this is what it does in worship. The more you see Jesus as beautiful and majestic and amazing, that's when we're being filled with the Spirit because it helps us to see Jesus for who he really is. It actually stirs our hearts up in worship. And that's what we were made to do. That's what we were made for is worship. Even in that compare and contrast with alcohol, right? Most of the time, alcohol is uh, 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 it's connected to us trying to numb something. It's trying to, just for a moment, I'm stressed out, I'm overwhelmed, and just for a little bit, just let me turn down the volume on reality just a little bit. But it does it in a completely unsustaining way, and when you wake up in the morning, all of your problems, all of your struggles, they're still there. And what he's saying is don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit through worship. Because what worship does, it doesn't turn down the volume on reality. It actually turns up the volume on reality in a way that's sustaining. It lifts our eyes to see this is who Jesus really is. This is who he is. Your circumstances, the things that are overwhelming you right now, that's not actually going to be case in point at the end of the day. But Jesus will still reign as king. And it's the Spirit that lifts our eyes and our hearts to see who he is through worship. So he's saying, don't turn down the volume on reality. Don't numb yourself. 
but be filled with the Spirit and sing songs together and actually turn up the volume on reality that we might see things for how they really are. So how we're filled with the Spirit is one, worship. Two, this one will be really quick, ask. The book of James says, ask and it will be given to you. He also says this, he says, he says you do not have because you do not ask. And then Jesus actually talking about the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 11, he says this, he says, you who are evil, you who are evil dads, evil parents, you know how to give good gifts to your children, don't you? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? If there's one prayer that the Father is begging to answer right now, it's, it's can I have more of your Spirit? He's longing to give us more of himself. He's, he, he's waiting to give us more. And in a lot of ways, we just need to invite and ask. So it's actually what I'm going to do right now. is We're, we're going to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to worship and we're going to sing. And we're going to lift our voices and our hearts ultimately to God. Let me pray.